The Red Steeple Podcast is a production of Nolansville First United Methodist Church in Nolansville, Tennessee. Our vision is to be a neighborhood church where people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus in a welcoming church family. With this podcast, we want to explore subjects of faith to help you think critically and hopefully to see how God is working in our world and in your life. The ideas we express belong to the speakers. We aren't here to tell you how to think. We just want to give you some things to think critically about in your faith. We are continuing our Advent study today. If you're not aware, Advent is the four weeks that precedes Christmas. It's a time where we wait expectantly, thinking about how God sent his son to earth as a baby. And it's a time where we reflect on hope and joy and peace and love that come from God. So our Advent study is the book written by Adam Hamilton called Faithful, Christmas Through the Eyes of Joseph. Some of you are connecting in small groups to discuss, so this may be a supplement to your study. Others are reading the book, and this is your primary access to discussion on the study. And so others may only be listening to this podcast. I believe there's something special for each of you. So without further ado, my discussion with Pastor Jimi Hendrix. Pastor Jimmy, we are back for week two of the Advent study. I'm so excited, aren't you? Oh, yes. This is the one where we get to talk about um, fun topics, right? Like forgiveness and pain. And <laughs> oh, yes. The hallmarks of our faith. <laughs> the chapter is called Whose Child Is This? And really what he's focusing on in this chapter is that narrow period of time after Joseph learns that Mary's pregnant, knows it's not his, but before he is visited by the angel to tell him that basically he's part of the plan. Yes. Yeah. And I I always find this to be remarkable and I enjoyed in the book how we sort of slow down because biblically this is a very, you know, quick turnaround. Uh, in when you're reading right but slow it down and really think about what that must have been like and some of the the history involved in what Joseph chose to do um, in response to God's work I, I think is remarkable I like the imagery that he paints in the book about how maybe Mary had her cousin Elizabeth with her when she went to talk to Joseph. I could imagine that being the case, right? Because that can't be an easy conversation. And it's easier to have some close person with you when you're having a hard conversation with somebody. Yeah, I I had never thought about that. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting as a possibility. I, I love the image of Mary and Elizabeth. That's one of my favorite stories of, of them together. Um I just think that's amazing. Um, and the image of it, uh, I don't know why that sticks with me, but just, um, you know, as a, as a parent myself, um, you know, my wife having, you know, friends and family who um, were going through pregnancy at the same time. I think there's something amazing about that and, and a comfort. Uh, and so I, I've always just loved that story or that image, but I've never thought of, you know, Elizabeth being involved in, in Mary and Joseph in that exchange, but I think it's a neat idea. I think it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying in scripture, it, it's pretty 
short, like it's in with just a couple of verses and I'll put the, um, the citations on the podcast notes, but Matthew 119 basically talks about how Joseph was a righteous man. And so he decided to quietly divorce Mary. So can, can you help us think through like maybe anything about the Jewish marriage customs at the time, or, you know, kind of help us flesh that one verse out? I don't know that I would do it uh, as much justice as the book does. So I seriously, if you don't have the book, uh, borrow it or, or, or get it because he does a really great job, Adam Hamm, explaining it more in depth. But essentially, there was a process and um, exchange of money, some of which was uh, to Mary's family, uh, some of which set aside to take care of Mary. And uh, it, in case something happened, in case there was divorce or, or something like that or death. Um, so all of that place, uh, so it's sort of fair to say they were engaged, but it was more than that. It was contractual. So um, basically they were married, but they weren't uh, living together yet, if that makes sense. They hadn't gone through that, that ceremony and that rite of passage. I won't go any deeper. But... Um, so this was this was a huge deal um, for for not only the emotional aspect but um, financially, economically, all of that was intertwined. Religiously, this would uh, to dismiss her quietly out of that language would be to spare her the um, sort of scorn of the community and and sort of a mark on, on her name. Um, going forward, which would affect her ability to be, you know, married. Um, what, what he does when he says he wants to do it quietly, uh, that Adam, Adam Hamilton proposes, and I think is absolutely true, that's how I've always read it, is that he didn't want to make it a big deal. He was thinking about Mary, uh, even in his hurt. And I thought, that that's amazing. Yes. Okay. So listen, because I'm a lawyer, I have to back up a second and say, and because I looked up on Google how to pronounce the word. So I have to be impressive, but the ketubah, and that is basically the covenant between man and wife that they have in the Jewish custom. And he says that even today, modern Jewish families will do that, but that apparently gets signed at engagement. Even mm-hmm don't live together as husband and wife and so that tells us that Mary and Joseph had that basically contract at the beginning and so that's what he he has to back out of it but I think what you said is really where I see kind of the practical takeaways right is that he had to have been very hurt and disappointed um, sad maybe angry before he knew the full picture and so the fact that he wanted to do it in a way that minimized the pain on Mary or the effect on Mary really tells us a lot about him because the book talks about how that would mean that he would be the one that would experience the public shame to some extent. Right. And it it seems strange now in a modern context to say it, but he would also have you know, basically lose his investment, you know, the money they had put in that, that, that would be, that would stay with Mary. Um, 
So he he would essentially be saying I'm responsible. Uh, and in the eyes of others, it would have been Joseph's fault. Um, I know in the Bible it's just a couple lines, but you there's so much there. There's so much there that you know he's hurt. Uh, you would imagine emotionally. Um, he's hurt, uh, you know, financially hurt, you know, the, his sort of family name is his societal standing, you know, all of that is affected. And yet uh, what he decides to do, I think that word decides is important because it, I don't think it was instant. I, I imagine that it took some time. Uh, what he decides to do to, you know, let her go quietly, you know, not, not, not make this a public thing, not make it about Mary. Um, that, that's just, that, that's powerful. In my job, we have a lot of people who come to us at the beginning of a dispute or maybe at the beginning of a point where they've been sued by somebody and that people are angry when they've been wronged and, and, they're, and sometimes hurt exhibits as anger. And so, and then personally, I know that that's my, you know, my, my natural inclination, I'll just be honest, is to hold a grudge. I'm really good at holding grudges. And so, like you said, it, it can't have been instantaneous. Like my experiences with when I feel wronged, it, it takes a while. Um, I don't know that he had years here, right? Because we know that Mary would have been pregnant for nine months, but so I feel even more impressed that he can do it in a short period of time. But um, I think it is when you're dealing with that feeling of being hurt or wronged by another person, particularly someone you care about, um, you really do have to just make decisions. And for me, I can only make those decisions with help from God to kind of trust that it will work out because otherwise my my inclination would be to go tell somebody how bad the other person hurt me and how wrong they did me so that the second person could say, you're right and get on my side and back me up so that then we can commiserate together and talk about how terrible it is and how terrible the person is. Yeah. And I often think of reverse in this situation of uh, imagine for a moment is Joseph, if, if it had gone that way, if Joseph had, dismissed her and then you know the scorn that he would face um to have people sort of treat him differently knowing that he actually did nothing wrong you know yeah it's amazing how much is packed into that one verse just how much you can glean just knowing humanity knowing how we are as people how much you can <laughs> glean that joseph may have been like just by that one verse yeah and to come sort of 360 on it i think that's why god chose him right like he, he he was faithful um he knew god um you, you can see you know we call it fruit nowadays right like from we use that from the bible but you, you see the fruit of god working uh right there that his thought was of mary even despite what that might do to him uh, I, I've, I know it's just a little part, but I, I can see how uh, Adam Hamilton got a whole chapter out of that because it, it's uh, it's real that that feeling of forgiveness, 
that that call by God release a person uh, to to let your hurt go. Uh, I think that only happens by God's grace. I, I think that that that's a miracle. That's one of those miracles that happens all the time, and that we um, don't think of as a miracle, right? But it is to be able to forgive um, and to be able to accept forgiveness. That is, to me, the cornerstone of, of our faith. And so I, I think God chose Joseph because that's who Joseph was. He was a man of God. Yeah, it really is. When you say it's a cornerstone of our faith, like to me, those those instances where I've had to struggle with and deal with forgiveness are really points that I can turn to when I want to think about how God is working in my life. I mean, those, those are things that everybody's going to experience a circumstance where you have to either be forgiven or give forgiveness. And it is not easy. In my experience, it takes a long time in certain situations, but when you, I, for me, it's a matter of submission. Like I, I had one very deep hurt um, and it's been five years now. And still, if I talked about the details, I probably would get back into that zone of feeling very angry and bitter about it. But there was a point in time this year when I felt like God was leading me more fully into forgiveness, but it required me to submit. I had to put my pride down. I had to put my own um, sort of self-protection down a bit, right? Because I, my tendency was to just close in and not to be vulnerable about the situation. I had to set that down a little bit. And so it really was an act of submission on my part. But in doing so, I saw some beauty and I saw a lot of forgiveness and healing that I don't think I would have received if I had not submitted to those nudgings. Yeah, I think that uh, God's grace, uh, forgiveness is one of those things that transforms people. So both the person uh, that needs to forgive and the person who needs to be forgiven. Uh, I think that's in our with God and with each other. Um, that that that's part of the miracle of grace. That's part of God's transforming work. That you don't you don't leave that um, situation unchanged. And so I I, I think that's remarkable that. Um, that Joseph experienced that right in the beginning. Yes. There's another part of, of the of chapter two that I thought was fascinating about the genealogy. Yes. What did you find fascinating about it? Well, uh, I um, like like Adam Hamilton wrote, and like many people, you know, have skimmed the genealogy. You know, um, so when you're reading through it, you kind of skim through it. La 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 la. Um, but but what's happening? is uh, connecting to the Davidic line because of the prophecies. And then, um, you know, in all truth, I, I had to study this in school, but, uh, and was glad to study it in school. <laughs> I didn't mean to say had to, <laughs> but, but uh, I thought it was great that he pointed it out that it included uh, sort of 
these these women who are heroes of our faith and and that wasn't totally unheard of in Jewish times but it's pretty remarkable um that it's included in one of the genealogies and so you go back and you look at um I just think when they're telling the story they're they're setting it up for Mary like uh like the women before her who were of God here is Mary you know and and I just I find that fascinating that even though that's coming through um, um, Joseph's line, there's something happening uh, on a literary front there, right? Like you're 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 getting set up for another heroine of the story. And this is, of course, my attempt to make it more about Mary again. <laughs> Which is fine. When we had our study on Sunday afternoon, there are several people who experience they they express that same um, thought process. Like, why are we talking about Joseph? <laughs> <laughs> but I I want to name the women. So Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. And what I find remarkable about some of those women is that in their story you really see some sin, some just things they shouldn't have been doing. And, and so I think it speaks to the fact that God's using humans who are not perfect as part of his plan to redeem all people and pull them back close to him. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think um, I, I might go a step further and say at least in um, – the tradition they weren't looked at as you know perfect people but we're talking about the davidic line right like david gets held up um because uh, of his faithfulness but david did some some uh some pretty harsh things some pretty big sins there so i i don't uh, tend to judge them harshly but i think it's a comfort um and i think that's part of the whole biblical narrative um except for jesus uh, all, all of the people who responded to God's call and put it into, put it into action were normal people just like us who have failures and failings and sin, and we're, we're striving to overcome that. Yeah, I think, you know, we were talking about sort of the overriding questions in this study and the last being, what is Joseph? What is, jo how does Joseph add to the Christmas story? And so all these things we've talked about but but the fact that he comes down through the bloodline from king david is showing and abraham is showing fulfillment of god's promise in the old testament that he's going to restore us and he's using that same line of people through family right to just show I guess Matthew's trying to prove hey look this is the messiah because god said the messiah would come through david's line and here we have it. Yeah. And the fact that God chose, um, you know, what appears to be a crooked line, right? <laughs> it wasn't a perfect line. It wasn't uh, some high priest line where everybody had done right. You know, it's a, it, it's a crooked line. I, I, I find that uh, fascinating. I have to tell a little story. You know, what it, you asked the question, what does Joseph add to our understanding of the Christmas story? You know, that that's sort of, you know, why we're reading this to go a little bit deeper about what does it mean? What does Christmas mean? You know, and we this week 
semi put up decorations at home and we have a nativity that it's a new nativity that my I think my wife bought last year and she was putting it out and she could not figure out which figurine was Joseph and <laughs> And so we, we got such a kick out of it because we we're like, well, it's got to be obvious, you know, so I come over and I look and like we could not figure it out. <laughs> every every figurine, uh, you know, these are these are kind of cool. They're 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 kind of artsy and, and, and I love that. It lets you use your imagination. They don't they don't look like anybody, but you, you could tell that some of them had animals and some of them had a staff. I'm like, that's shepherds right but but we couldn't find just like joseph and so um we finally decided that one that we thought was a shepherd was joseph because he's holding a lamb and and um you know we decided that that was symbolic of the lamb of god and so i had never thought about and i don't know why you know joseph holding jesus when he was a baby you know sure he did but i just that never sunk in for me so kind of had that neat experience so we've probably got the wrong wrong dude up there but hey it, it's okay that's right well you know some of my most treasured photos after we had both kids are the ones of mike holding the babies yeah yeah and that that sent me down the line of you know i've, I've changed many a diaper i've done you know I wonder, I just feel like that's the kind of guy Joseph was, you know, like this is the same guy who, when his heart was broke, thought about Mary. I just, I just picture him being, you know, involved. Uh, so that, that was kind of neat. Cause I, I don't know that I've ever taken the time to think about that. That is neat. I, I really like the study and thinking about some of the finer points of Joseph. Joseph's side of the Christmas story, I think it's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, if I could sum up this chapter with anything, sorry, I had to think there for a second. I would say for me, it's about um, empathy, right? Which is a key element of forgiveness that Joseph is able to, even in his hurt, think about Mary and what effect his his decision would have on Mary. And empathy is so powerful to me, um, such a powerful gift from God that we've all been given the opportunity to experience, to take the time to imagine, to think about our, our lives effect on other people. Um, and I think Christmas is all about that because God empathizing with the world. It's God saying, I'm, I'm going to send a savior. So I don't know if that helps anybody or if that's super confusing, then just ignore it. But for me, that was the sort of the, uh, the theme for the chapter that made me think about Christmas, that this is God saying, uh, I love you. I know what you're going through. I'm going to be with you. I'm sending a savior. I think that's a beautiful way to end today's podcast. All right. Sounds good. See you next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Red Steeple Podcast. Check back next week for our discussion on Chapter 3 of Faithful Christmas Through the Eyes of Joseph. And pay attention on social media for our announcements about Stuff Gus the Bus, our project for Room in the Inn. As always, thank you, Amanda Jones, for editing the show. If you have ideas for future show topics, email us at redsteeplepodcast at gmail.com. Use this conversation to share thoughts with others and find ways to reflect forgiveness, love, and mercy in ways to share the love of Jesus with others. Stay safe and be well.